Okay, so today we'll uh, continue with Deuteronomy chapter one. Uh, so we almost made it till the end of chapter one. So as we said, Deuteronomy is also known as the second law, but uh, it's not really the second law, but rather uh, Moses uh, addressing the second generation and kind of reviewing uh, what happened in the history of people of Israel uh, once they left Egypt and crossed the Red Sea and as they were making the journey to promised land. And we saw that when they reached the border of promised land, uh, they made a major mistake, uh, which is to uh, question the promise of God, uh, even though the Lord said, you should go and possess the land. Uh, they uh, they kind of doubted and they sent uh, 12 spies uh, into that land to see how that land was. And we saw that 10 people came back with a negative report uh, saying that uh, they won't be able to conquer the land because there are giants and there are fortified walls. And only Joshua and Caleb came back with a positive report. But we see that uh, they made the mistake of trusting uh, in the majority, which is the 10 people who came back with a negative report, uh, rather than trusting the promise of God or trusting the uh, testimony of Joshua and Caleb. So as a result, uh, God was uh, angry with them. He was angry because of their lack of faith. So it took them about two years uh, to get to the, uh, to the border of promised land. And at that point, God told them to uh, go back. And that is the journey that uh, Moses is going to trace uh, from chapters two. So one took us to the border of promised land. Oh. And in two and three, uh, Moses is retracing the steps as they wander in the promised land for about 38 years, uh, during which time all the adults, uh, they will be destroyed. And the only person who would be left would be uh, Joshua and Caleb and children who were below 20. So the book is written uh, essentially for the second generation so that they can uh, remember the history of what happened in the life of Israelites and they can learn lessons from those uh, historical events. And at the same time, uh, Moses also wants to give them the right instructions uh, before they enter the promised land. They lacked faith to enter the promised land. And as we saw in verse 40, uh, the Lord said, but as for you, uh, turn you and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. So we see that this is a U-turn uh, in their journey to the promised land. So instead of entering the promised land, uh, after traveling for two years, the Lord is telling them to go back uh, the same way that they came. So that was a major shock uh, to the people of Israel. Uh, even uh, in the past, they've been complaining, they've been murmuring, and the Lord was very merciful. But at this point, we see that God tells them uh, to simply return and telling them that they are not going to enter the promised land. So we'll read some verses to see uh, how the people react and how God reacts uh, to this uh, situation. So maybe someone can read uh, 41 to 46. So we'll kind of go through these chapters and leave some time at the end so that we can have some extended discussion uh, based on anything that is specific, yeah. Then you replied, we have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight as the Lord our God commanded us. So every one of you put on his 
put on his weapons thinking it easy to go up into the hill country but the lord said to me tell them do not go up and fight because i will not be with you you will be defeated by your enemies so i told you but you would not listen you rebelled you rebelled against the lord's command and in your arrogance you marched up into the hill country the amorites who lived in those hills came up came up came out against you they chased you like a swarm of bees and bet you down from the sair all the way to horma you came back and wept before the lord but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you and so you stayed in kadesh many days all the time you spent there yeah so this is again a sad uh, incident uh, in the life of people of israel uh, they've been already rejected by god uh, because he refused to let them enter the promised land and here we see one more uh, sad incident uh, when the people are responding uh, to the shocking news uh, that they cannot enter the promised land we see that god is not merciful uh, he is not willing to uh, listen to their prayers or to their repentance so we see that in verse uh, 41 uh, they say we have sinned uh, against the lord so we see that there is uh, that repentance but uh, that repentance uh, does not seem to be uh, genuine in the eyes of god uh, god sees that as a repentance more because they have been denied the benefit or the privilege of entering the promised land so it is not a repentance that is coming out of sorrow or having done something wrong it seems more like a repentance uh, when we lose something we feel sad and the same way uh, it looks like people of israel are feeling sad because they've come so close uh, but uh, they are denied that privilege and in verse 42 the god reminds them that uh, do not go up uh, and fight for i'm not among, among you lest you be defeated uh, before your enemies so uh, it's kind of a delayed uh, response where sorry it's verse 41 where they Uh, choose to go back and fight but now it's too late uh, that that commandment was given before but now they are choosing to fight so delayed obedience in the eyes of god uh, is also like a sin so when we procrastinate and do not take steps when god tells us to take uh, that is also seen as a sin in the eyes of god so in verse uh, 42 god tells them uh, not to go and fight because if you go and fight you will be defeated uh, by your enemies so god is telling them very clearly that they should not proceed at this point but again we see that people uh, disobeyed they decided to go and fight uh, even though god is telling them very clearly that uh, you should if you fight you will be defeated by your enemies and the reason for that is uh, in verse 42 it says uh, i am not among you so god is not with them so the only way they can enjoy victories if is if god is with them and if god is not going to be with them uh, they will face a uh, defeat but they chose to disobey and proceeded to the battleground and we see that they were uh, defeated and they were destroyed uh, in that battle so again they reached the same point uh, of regret so we see that any time there is a disobedience uh, in our life uh, it leads to a season of regret a season of weeping and that is what is happening here again in the life of israelites 
So it's similar to verse 41, where they are still uh, in that stage, where they have again made a mistake, and again they've been defeated, and again they are feeling sorry for what has happened. So they weep again, and it says they continue in sorrow for a few more days, and but the Lord is not willing to listen uh, to their cries, cries or to their tears. And at some point, uh, after staying for a few days uh, in sorrow or in shock, uh, they would start uh, their journey back. So one of the lessons that we learn is that when God tells us to do something, uh, we need to obey uh, immediately. And if you choose to procrastinate or if you choose to show partial obedience, uh, that is also taken as a sin, uh, which has consequences. And God responds uh, to true repentance. So the repentance has to come uh, from our heart. The Bible says repentance from dead works. And it should be a repentance uh, that is accompanied by sorrow, that we have committed a sin or we have disobeyed God. So there is a high cost uh, for disobedience uh, that happens uh, in the people of Israelites. Uh, even in this small incident, uh, it leads to destruction. It leads to unanswered prayers. And the same thing could be true in our life. Uh, when we choose to disobey, uh, it would have some consequences. Uh, we would lose the blessings that the Lord wants to give us. And it could also mean that the Lord will not uh, hear our prayers uh, because a sin has entered into our life. So, of course, in their case, uh, we also see that they are denied the promised land uh, because they did not obey or they did not believe in the promise that was made. And in chapter two, uh, we continue uh, with the same thought. So uh, they've been denied uh, entry uh, into the promised land. And in chapter two, we see that uh, they are taking the return trip or going back because God told them to go back. So in chapter two and three, uh, Moses is retracing the steps uh, for the return journey, uh, going from Kadesh uh, Barnea uh, to the border of promised land. So uh, in this case, we see that people of Israelites, uh, they came very close uh, to the promised land, but yet uh, they were very, very far. And so again, there is a lesson for us to learn that there are many times in our life where we may lose uh, the best that the Lord has kept for us because we are not willing to take the final step. Uh, we may come very, very close uh, to the promised land, or we may come very close to uh, finding God's perfect will. But since uh, we are not willing to take the final step of obedience, uh, we also may be left uh, like the people of Israelites, uh, we may lose uh, the promised land and God may refuse to hear our prayers and he may send us back on a journey wandering in the wilderness. So, yeah, someone can read from chapter 2, 1 to 3, where Moses is recollecting the trip of returning back and we can see what happens during the return trip. Then we turned back and set out toward the wilderness along the route to the Red Sea. As the Lord had directed me for a long time, we made our way around the hill country of Seir. Then the Lord said to me, you have made your way around this hill country long enough. Now turn north. So we saw this in chapter one also, uh, where they were uh, 
they situated themselves uh, near the mount and they were kind of just going around or staying in that place. And God told them in chapter 1, 6 uh, that it is time to move on. And in the same way, we see that God is again uh, giving them instructions uh, that they need to continue uh, northward or they continue to proceed uh, with the journey. So we see that even though God is not happy uh, that they did not believe in him, but we see that God did not simply tell them to go back. Uh, his presence uh, is still with them. Uh, he is still going to guide them uh, during that journey back, uh, which would be a long journey uh, in the wilderness for about 38 years. And in the next few sections, we see the encounter that they have with the Edomites, with the Moabites, and the Ammonites. So we'll take a look at that and see what instructions uh, God gives them and what is the what happens at the end after all three encounters. Yeah, the first one is the encounter with the Edomites, uh, which we read in verses 4 through 8. Yeah. Give the people these orders. You are about to pass through the territory of your relatives, the descendant of descendants of Esau, which who, who live in Seir, they will be afraid of you, but be very careful. Do not provoke them to war, for I will not give you any of their land, not even enough to put your foot on. I have given Esau the hill country of Seir as his own. You are to pay them silver for the food you eat and the water you drink. The Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He has watched over you watched over your journey through this vast wilderness these 40 years. The Lord your God has been with you and you have not lacked anything. So we went on past our relatives, the descendants of Esau, who lived in Seir. We turned from the Arabah road, which comes from Elath and Ezion Geber, and traveled along the desert road of Moab. Okay, so we often uh, say in prayer, father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and of course, uh, Esau and Jacob, uh, they were twins, and Esau was the older one, uh, but we know that he traded uh, his birthright, so Jacob became the promised uh, seed, so to speak. But we see that in this passage, uh, since Esau was part of that promised uh, generation chain, uh, he is also given a land, and here the passage picks up on the descendants of Esau, uh, who are called the Edomites. So Edomites are the descendants of Esau, who was the brother of Jacob, uh, the son of Isaac. And the instructions are clear that uh, when they are passing through that land, uh, they should not provoke uh, any conflict or they should not get into a war. Uh, the Lord is, God is making it clear that the land belongs to them and it has been given by God. It has been earmarked for them and they cannot take it for themselves. And they should simply pay for the food and water and keep proceeding uh, with their journey as the Lord guides. And they're also reminded uh, how God provided for them uh, during the last uh, 40 years and not to uh, exploit the weak and also not to covet uh, what does not belong to them. So this land belongs to the Edomites and they have to simply move on and go on their journey. And we also read a, a parallel passage in Numbers 21, 4 to 9, which is uh, around the same uh, time frame. And it says, uh, they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea 
to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became uh, very discouraged uh, on the way. So we see that people are, uh, they are going back because that is what God told them to do. But as they're wandering uh, in the wilderness, uh, they're also getting very uh, discouraged and they are complaining about different things, uh, about lack of food, lack of water, and so on. And again, God is uh, upset with them and he sends the fiery serpents. And we, we know about this passage. So the uh, lesson is uh, when we are discouraged, uh, we often start getting bitter. We often start to complain. And when that happens, uh, it leads to sin. But in this passage, uh, we see that God is uh, merciful, uh, even though they are complaining and they are sinning. Uh, he opens a door for them, uh, a door of forgiveness. So the same thing is true today when we God always opens a door of forgiveness. And we need to recognize uh, that we are in a position uh, of sin or we have uh, done, we are guilty of some failures in our life. But when we look uh, at the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when we look at the cross and when we seek uh, forgiveness, uh, we see that we are, we are able to receive uh, forgiveness uh, for our sins. So that is the bigger lesson here uh, that we can learn. So after the Edomites, uh, they continue to travel. So Edomites were the descendants of Esau. And now they're going to pass through a land uh, which belongs to the Moabites. And again, God is going to give them uh, clear instructions on how they should uh, uh, encounter with them or how they should deal with them. Yeah. Then the Lord said to me, do not harass the Moabites or provoke them to war, for I will not give you any part of the land. I have given heir to the descendants of Loth as a possession. Okay, so we see that uh, Moabites' uh, history can be traced to incest. Uh, so we know that uh, Lot's wife, uh, she was turned uh, into a pillar of salt uh, when the city was destroyed and she looked back. But Lot escaped uh, with his two daughters and the Moabite uh, generation can be traced to the seed, uh, which is the incest uh, between Lot uh, and his two daughters. And Ruth is, of course, one of the famous uh, Moabite women. And the way God deals with Ruth uh, is, again, a picture of God's grace. So in this passage, uh, they are given very similar instructions, uh, just like he gave instructions to the Edomites. Uh, they are not to harass the Moabites or to provoke them to battle. And again, God is telling them this land does not belong to them. Uh, it belongs to the Moabites and it's been given by God. So again, uh, the lesson is the same, that we should not covet uh, what does not uh, belong to us. And what belongs to us, the Lord will give it to us uh, in his time. Uh, in his uh, perfect will. So they need to keep moving on because they haven't reached that point yet. And 10 to 12 uh, is given in parentheses uh, in many uh, Bible translations. And one of the reasons for that is uh, they feel uh, it, it is not in sequence uh, historically, or maybe it is not written by Moses and it has been added on later on. So it's been given in parentheses here, and we'll find uh, one more section starting at verse 20 to 23, which is also the same. 
But here uh, it's speaking about the giants. It says the MMs dwelt therein in times past, a people great and many and tall as the Anakims, which also were accounted giants as the Anakims, but the Moabites called them MMs. The Horems also dwelt in Seir before time, but the children of Esau succeeded them when they had destroyed them before them and dwelt in their stead as Israel did unto the land of his possession, which the Lord uh, gave unto them. So here uh, the passage speaks about the giants being wiped out by Edomites uh, with the help of God. And if we recollect uh, one of the fear of the 10 spies that went to look at the land was that they were afraid of giants. But we see that uh, there is no reason to be afraid of giants when God is saying, uh, I can destroy them. I'm more powerful than the giants. Uh, we don't have to be afraid. So God is uh, greater than the giants in our life. So we face uh, many situations where we feel that the situation is uh, more than what we can handle. So that would be like a giant. But we know that uh, with the help of God, we can conquer all the giants. Even as the promise says, for this year, I can do all things uh, to Christ who strengthens me. So uh, we will face giants uh, in our life, but giants uh, cannot diminish uh, God's promises. So God's promises uh, are true. They are a and amen. And nothing can come between the promise of God uh, except a lack of faith, which we see in the people of Israel. But giants uh, cannot diminish or they cannot be uh, an obstacle to inheriting God's promises. So in verse 13 through 16, uh, we see the great uh, tragedy, uh, which is the end of a generation after 38 years. Yeah. Someone can read 13 through 16. And the Lord said, now get up and cross the Zered Valley. So we crossed the valley. 38 years passed from the time we left Kadesh, Barnia, until we crossed the Zered Valley. By then, the entire Entire generation of fighting men had finished from the camp as the Lord had sworn to them. The Lord's hand was against them until he had completely eliminated them from the camp. Now, when the last of these fighting men among the people had died. Okay, so here we see that uh, they are at the end of 38 years and all the men of war were consumed uh, and dead. So again, uh, it's a great picture of a great uh, tragedy that the Lord is taking out the entire generation of adults uh, who chose to follow the 10 uh, people or who chose to follow the evil report or who chose to disobey or disbelieve the promises of God. So obviously the lesson for us is that when we choose to not trust uh, in God's promises, uh, it could have major uh, consequences. Uh, it could lead to major losses uh, in our life. So the sad thing here is that uh, Joshua and Caleb, uh, they also had to wander uh, for 38 years, uh, even though uh, they were not guilty of unbelief or even though they chose the right path, but they were also kind of stuck uh, with that bigger group. And they also had to suffer for 38 years 
for no mistake of theirs. And next we come to the Ammonites as we continue with the journey, uh, 17 and 18. The Lord said to me, today you are to pass by the region of Moab at Ar. When you come to the Ammonites, do not harass them or provoke them to war, for I will not give you possession of any land belonging to the Ammonites. I have given it as a possession to the descendants of Loth. Yeah. Okay, so we have very similar uh, instructions, similar to the uh, Moabites, uh, which is given to the Ammonites. So Ammonites are also the descendants of incest uh, between Lot. So Moabite was the first daughter, and this uh, Ammonites are traced to the second daughter. But they're also given uh, similar instructions. Uh, they are not to harass or provoke them to border, battle. And the land that God has given to them as descendants of Lot, uh, cannot be taken away. And again, we see uh, verses 20 to 23. Uh, it focuses on the giants. And again, it's given in parentheses, but the substance uh, is the same, that God uh, destroyed the giants for the Ammonites, uh, just like he did for the Edomites. And again, the lesson uh, is similar for us, that giants are not a threat to God. And we can defeat uh, all the giants uh, in our life when we go in the power of God and his uh, promises. So all of us can testify that when we depend on God's promises or when we put 100% trust uh, in God's promises, uh, uh, we are able to conquer the giants and we are able to live a life uh, that is victorious. And oftentimes we get discouraged uh, because uh, we are not too confident about the power of God, or we are not confident, or we don't have faith uh, in the promises that the Lord gives us. So all of these are historical lessons, uh, but they teach us uh, great things, or how we can avoid the same mistakes uh, that were done by Israelites, and how we can avoid uh, losing the blessings that the people of Israel lost. So uh, as we proceed uh, with the remaining verses uh, in chapter 2 and the first part of chapter 3, uh, we see that uh, they have two battles before crossing Jordan. So God is giving them uh, a taste of victory uh, before crossing Jordan. So it is kind of a reinforcing uh, that God is uh, a powerful God and he is able to fight on behalf of Israelites and he is able to give them victory. So we'll read about the first battle in verses uh, 24 to 37 of chapter 2, and the second battle in chapter 3, 1 to 11. And in both the battles, uh, the people of Israel are victorious, and at the end we will see what they do uh, with the land that they are able to conquer. So the first battle is with the king of uh, Heshbon, the Sion, the Amorite. Yeah. Set out now and cross the Arnon Gorge. See, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his country. Begin to take possession of it and engage him in battle. This very day I will begin to put the terror and fear of you on all the nations under heaven. They will hear reports of you and will tremble and be in anguish because of you. From the desert of Kedamoth, I sent messengers to Sihon, king of Heshbon, offering peace and saying, Let us pass through your country. 
we will stay on the main road we will not turn aside to the right or to the left sell us food to eat and water to drink for they price in silver only let us pass through on foot as the descendants of aso who live in seir and the moabites who live in ar did for us until we cross the jordan into the land of the lord our god is giving us but sihon king of heshbon refused to let us pass through for the lord your god has made this made a spirit stubborn and his heart obstinate in order to give him into your hands as he has now done the lord said to me see i have begun to deliver sihon and his country over to you now begin to conquer and possess this land when sihon and uh, sihon and all his uh, army came out to meet meet us in battle at jahas the lord our god delivered him over to us and we struck him down together with the sons and his whole army at that time we took all his towns and completely destroyed them men women and children we left no survivors but the livestock and the plunder from the town we had captured we carried off for ourselves from arar on the rim of the arnon gorge and from the town and the gorge even as far as gilead not one town was too strong for us the lord our god gave us all of them but in accordance with the command of the lord our god you did not encroach on any of the land of ammonites neither the land along the course of the jabbok nor that around the towns in the hills okay so here again we see that the lord is uh, guiding them very clearly uh, as we read in verse 24 it says rise up and take your journey and begin to possess it so we know that our god is a living god and when we depend on god he is able to guide us uh, very clearly uh, step by step so he tells us when we should get up uh, he tells us when we should uh, not get up or when we should be stagnant or when we should not move so uh, so again for us uh, the lesson is we should depend on god uh, before we undertake uh, any journey and god will clearly guide us so he tells us that uh, you can take your journey and as you continue with your journey uh, he is going to give them victories he is going to help them uh, possess those lands and he also says in verse 25 that this day uh, i will put the dread of thee and the fear of thee uh, upon the nations so the lord is uh, essentially telling them that all the nations will be afraid of the people of israel and if you read uh, book of joshua chapter 2 uh, 8 and 9 uh, when they go to jericho when the yeah maybe someone can read that verse that would be good joshua 2 8 and 9 before the spies lay down for the night she she went up on the roof and said to them i know that the lord has given you this land and that a, and that a great fear of you has fallen on us yeah, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you yeah so we see that when god makes promises uh, it also comes true so when they are uh, here we see that after they have crossed the jordan and they are the rehab uh, is giving shelter to the spies uh she is talking about the great fear that has come upon that land so they are going through that land and as we read at the end uh the lord delivered all unto us so he gave them the victory uh, he gave them that land uh even though uh, they make the similar offer uh just like they did with the edomites they say uh, we will simply pass by your land just give us food to eat and we'll give you money for it but the king was not willing uh, he provoked them to battle so they uh, went into battle 
And when they went into battle, uh, the Lord delivered him before us. Uh, we smote him, his sons, and all his people. And we took all the cities at that time and utterly destroyed uh, everyone in the city. And the Lord delivered all unto us. So uh, to summarize, uh, we see that they gave the option of peace uh, to the king so that they can simply pass through that land. Uh, but the king refused, and which led to the battle. And God gave Israelites a victory. So we see that when we trust uh, in God, uh, he is able to give us complete and final victory. So that's why it says in verse 34 that they took all the cities. So when we depend on God, uh, he will not give us a partial victory or he will not uh, lead us to, to a point where the job is unfinished or partially finished but he will always uh, lead us to completion. So that's why it is very important that we trust in God uh, right from step one uh, till the very final step. And Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, O death, uh, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? So the greatest uh, thing uh, which is uh, of fear to many people has also been defeated at the cross. Uh, which is our physical death and also our battle with sins and battle with temptations. So in chapter three, uh, uh, we see uh, the battle number two, and we also see how that land that they conquered in battle one and two, uh, how it is uh, distributed. And there is also a sad uh, passage where we see that the request of Moses is denied. So this is the second battle that we see in verses one through 11. Uh, which is with the king of Bashan of Og. Yeah. Next, we turned and went up along the road toward Bashan, and Og, king of Bashan, with his whole army, marched out to meet us in battle of battle at Edrei. The Lord said to me, "Do not be afraid of him, for I have delivered him into your hands, along with his whole army and his land. Do, <clears throat> do to him what you did to Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon." So the Lord our God also gave into our hands Og, king of Bashan, and all his army. We struck them down, leaving no survivors. At that time, we took all his cities. There was not one of the 60 cities that we did not take from them. The whole region of Ar Argob, Og's kingdom in Bashan, all these cities were fortified with high walls and with gates and bars. And there were also a great many unwalled villages we completely destroyed them as we had done with Sihon, king of Heshbon, destroying every city, men, women, and children. But all the livestock and the plunder from the cities we carried off for ourselves. So at that time, we took from these two kings of the Amorites, the territory east of the Jordan, from the Arnon gods as far as Mount Hermon. Hermon is called Sirion by the Sidonians. The Amorites call it Sinir. We took all the towns on the plateau and all Gilead and all Bashan as far as Seleka and Edrai, towns of Og's kingdom in Bashan. Og, king of Bashan, was the last of the Raphites. His bed was decorated with iron and was more than nine cubits long and four cubits wide. It is still in Rabbah of the Ammonites. Okay, so again, the passage is uh, pretty much uh, self-explanatory, and it kind of follows the same pattern that we saw with battle number one. But it's good to note that the before we enter the battlefield, the Lord always uh, encourages us 
And in this case, as we see in verse two, the Lord said unto me, uh, fear him not for I will uh, deliver him. So that's a great promise to have when you're entering the battlefield, when God himself is standing by you and he's telling you not to be afraid because God will give you the victory and God will deliver him. And that is what happens in verse three, the Lord delivered into our hands, uh, the king of Bashan. And in verse four, again, speaks of complete uh, victory, which is he took all his cities uh, at that time, uh, even though the cities were fenced with high walls, gates, and bars. And if you uh, recollect, uh, when, the, when the 10 spies went, they came back with a negative report because they said that the cities uh, were fortified, they had high walls, they had fence bars and so on, uh, which made them afraid, which made them feel weak. But here again, we see that uh, God is reinforcing that promise that when you go with the promise and when you obey God's word, uh, he will give the final victory. So all of these are pretty graphic. It speaks about complete uh, destruction. Uh, it speaks about complete uh, victory. Uh, despite uh, facing high walls and high uh, barricades. And it also speaks about the giants, uh, which the report said there are many giants and we feel like uh, grasshoppers. And in verse 11, it says, uh, this was the last uh, giant uh, of the king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. And we can see that he is truly a giant when we look at the measurements of his bed. Uh, just to do a little bit of math, we know that one cubit uh, equals 18 inches. So that means uh, his bed is uh, 13, around 14 feet long and six feet wide. So obviously he was a big uh, person. And that is why when the 10 spies went uh, into the land, uh, they must have seen the giants and they must have felt afraid, not knowing that God's promises are much more powerful than any of the giants that we can face. So this is just a summary. So again, God promises victory, the battle is fought and won. And again, there is complete uh, victory. So 60 cities are conquered on the east of River Jordan on the other side. So, so we see that when we trust uh, in God's promises, uh, God will defeat the giants. And that is what the Israelites should have done uh, the first time around. But because of their unbelief, uh, they had to go back, they had to wander for 38 years, and they had to die in the wilderness. And the same thing can happen in our life when we choose to uh, disobey. God can also lead us uh, in that wilderness journey, and we may lose many of the blessings and it could lead to much losses in our life. So faith is uh, central to our uh, Christianity. Uh, faith is what begins our salvation experience, but that faith must be maintained. Uh, that faith must continue to grow uh, as we continue in our spiritual journey. And when we continue to exercise faith, uh, it would lead to many more victories, many more blessings. So in the next uh, subsequent verses, we see uh, what happens uh, to the land uh, that was conquered uh, in the two battles. And we see that even though that land was not part of the original plan uh, of the promised land, but God gave it to the people of Israel, uh, which tells me that he blesses us 
uh, beyond our asking or even thinking. So in verses 12 to 17, uh, we see that the land that they conquered from two battles, uh, they are distributed to uh, two and a half tribes. Yeah, maybe you can read. Yeah, 12 through 17. Of the land that we took over at that time, I gave the Reubenites Rub and the Gerites the territory north of Aror by the Arnon Gorge, including half the hill country of Gilead, together with its town. The rest of Gilead and all, also all of Bashan, the king, kingdom of Og, I gave to the half tribe of the Manasseh. The whole region of Ar Argob in Bashan used to be known as a land of the Rephites. Jair, a descendant of Manasseh, took the whole region of Argob as far as the border of the Geshurites and the Makathites. It was named after him so that to this day Bashan is called Havoth Jair. And I gave Gilead to Marker, but to the Reubenites and the Gerites, I gave the territory extending from Gilead down to the Arnon Gorge, the middle of the gorge being the border, and out to the Jabok River, which is the border of the Ammonites. It, its western border was the Jordan in the Arabah, from Kinneret to the Sea of Arba, that is the Dead Sea. Below the slopes of the Pisgah, I commanded you at that time, the Lord your God has given you this land to take possession of it. But all your able, your able-bodied men, armed for armed for battle, must cross over ahead of yeah, the other tribes. Yeah, that's okay. Good. So we see that uh, they conquered some land uh, in the two battles, and here we see how that land is being divided between two tribes, the Reubenites and the Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh. So this land is uh, happening before they cross Jordan and enter the promised land. So this is before they enter the uh, assigned uh, promised land. So, and that's been given to two and a half tribes. And so in a way we can say that these tribes, uh, they decided not to enter the promised land and they settled on the other side of the promised land. Uh, but historically, it shows that uh, these two and a half tribes, they had bigger issues or bigger challenges uh, compared to those who entered the final uh, promised land. Yeah, so they were away from the group. Uh, so they were a little bit isolated. So it kind of tells us that when we are away from the fellowship, uh, it could lead to some problems. It would lead some losses in our life. And it's always good to be in the right fellowship. And it is always good to maintain that fellowship and to continue in that fellowship. And even some distance uh, can lead to losses in our life. So we see that in the life of Peter, when he was following Christ afar, he ended up denying Christ. And that is when he betrayed Christ. Yeah. In 18 through 20, we uh, see that the battle continues. So and the two and a half tribes uh, that stayed back or chose to stay on the other side of promised land, uh, they wanted to settle there, but they needed to go and participate in the war, which is in the actual promised land. But God said, once they go uh, into the war, they can come back uh, to that land and they can settle with their families there. So even though they had already found a place to settle, that did not uh, take away the responsibility of fighting in the war and uh, fighting for the promised land, which God was going to give them. 18 yeah. through 20, brother. I commanded you 
to at that time the lord your god has given you this land to take possession of it but all your able bodied men armed for battle but must cross over ahead of the other israelites however your wives your children and your livestock i know you have much livestock may stay in the towns i have given you until the lord gives rest to your fellow israelites as he has to you and they too have taken over the land that the lord your god is giving them across the jordan after that each of you may go back to the position i have given you yeah so in this case uh, the people of israel they were on a mission and the mission was to conquer the promised land and god was going to use the men uh, for war not the wives not the children so the men were uh, supposed to go and fight the war and get the victory and in this case since they wanted to settle on the other side of jordan or on the other side of promised land god was giving them the permission that they can go fight the battle and come back so that is what is happening uh, in the section and now we see that joshua is uh, emerging as the new leader as they are getting ready to enter the promised land and that is what we see uh, moses is counseling joshua in verses 21 and 22 and i commanded joshua at this time saying thine eyes have seen all that the lord your god has done unto these two kings so shall the lord do unto all the kingdom whither thou passest so the two victories uh, that god gave them was simply a foretaste of all the great uh, victories that god was going to give them so it's good to see uh, even in our own life god may give us some small victories but that is simply a taste of what god can do when we continue to trust in him when we continue to put our faith uh, in his promises and uh, he's giving telling him that you should not be afraid for the lord will fight for you so the lesson that we can draw from this passage is that when we are in going through challenges or when we are in the battleground uh, we need to look back uh, into the past and see uh, god's faithfulness god's victories in the past and we need to claim god's promises uh, for the future and when we do that uh, we will be able to enjoy peace uh, in the present uh, situation we will be able to enjoy confidence uh, in the present uh, situation so that is how moses uh, being a man of experience a man of wisdom uh, at the end of his life when moses is around 120 years he is able to pass on that wisdom uh, to joshua so he says remember the past victories which your eyes have seen so obviously joshua has seen the recent uh, victories the two victories that they had and is asking joshua to trust in god for future victories and if you read the book of joshua chapter 11 uh, it records uh, all the victories uh, that joshua had so again it tells us when god makes a promise uh, he will always uh, make it to come true uh, when the right time comes so we simply have to trust and we simply have to wait uh, patiently uh, for the fulfillment of the promises and it is god who goes before us and it is god who fights our battles so we see the final uh, verses are a little bit sad uh, where moses uh, is pleading with god that he may enter the promised land but god tells him no so yeah 26 to 28 i guess yeah but because of you the lord was angry with me and would not listen to me 
that is enough the lord said do not speak to me any more about this matter go up to the top of pisgah and look west and north and south and east look at the land with your own eyes since you are not going to cross the jordan but commission joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he will lead his people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see so we stayed in the valley near beth peor yeah so this i find as a very sad uh, passage uh, in the life of moses and of course moses has been very faithful to god during the last 40 years he has been leading uh, the people of israel for the last 40 years putting up with all their complaints and murmurings and so on but we see that god is very firm uh, on his uh, standards of obedience uh, that he expected from moses as the leader of the congregation and at this point when he's reaching the border of promised land uh, moses is, is pleading with god that he may be allowed to enter the promised land and god seems almost uh, uh, rude or uh, very harsh when he says uh, don't talk to me more about this matter uh, this matter is settled uh, i've already made my decision and you're not going to make it and if you go back to numbers uh, you can read on your own uh, why uh, god was unhappy with moses when god told moses uh, to speak to the rock so that water may come out uh, moses uh, struck the rock in impatience or anger and god was not happy because moses did not uh, follow the instructions so here uh, we see that god is repeating that he says uh, you cannot cross jordan and you will not enter the land uh, you will only see with your eyes and for many of us uh, this response may seem uh, kind of unreasonable it may seem kind of harsh uh, since moses was faithful uh in many ways and he was obedient uh in many ways but uh, but god being god uh, we cannot question his ways uh we cannot question his judgment and we will uh simply trust that god will do what is right and god chose uh to punish moses in this way but not letting him enter the promised land and even though uh, moses himself may have been discouraged because uh, he was rejected god is uh, immediately giving him the commission of encouraging uh, uh, joshua and passing on the baton uh, to joshua so that would be a very difficult thing uh, for uh, any of us to do uh, if someone tells us that we are losing our job and we have to encourage the next person uh, who is coming in in our place but that is exactly what the lord is asking moses to do at the end of his life so in verse 28 as brother read uh, he is asking joshua he is asking moses to encourage uh, joshua and to strengthen him and he declares uh, what is the will of god is that joshua will lead uh, the nation of israel uh, into the promised land so that is uh, god's will that is god's uh, final uh, decision uh, at the end of 40 years uh, joshua will take over the leadership and he will lead the people of israel uh, into the promised land mm-hmm.